0: Welcome to The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.
1: Thanks a lot, everyone, for joining us. We need to learn that episode of The Weekly Beat. And this is a very special episode as we have the Secretary General of Bonk-tab with us right now to delve deep into some conversations around the uh, russia ukraine war but also how this is impacting africa in different aspects now miss rebecca grace joins me now and thank you so much for having time to speak with us but before you I begin i just want to touch on one point i just had you um talk about so often you said that you believe that the African Union should be part of the g 20 members. And, and I, as an African, I would say yes, 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 and yes, and yes. And I saw a lot of people, you know, um, talking about this and giving their reasons as to why they think it's actually a timely chance to have.
0: Why do you think so? I think that is very important to point out that Africa is having a united voice. <laughs> that doesn't happen everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of us, I come from Latin America, look at Africa with a certain degree of envy. <laughs> what did <you> say there? <laughs> because, you know, I think that you are really making an effort to come together, to have a united voice in the global issues that uh, really hit or are important for all of us every day. And uh, the G20 came about, yes, to really get away from only the very powerful economies in the world. You know, we have the G7 already that are the economies, the developed economies, and the biggest ones in the world. So why the G20? Why suddenly they came up with the idea of a G20? Because they felt they have to be more inclusive. Yes? So they invited the emerging markets, let's put it that way, the economies that were developing in a more dynamic way, but they included the European Union. So what we are saying is if they already included body that is composed by many economies, like the European Union, why not the African Union? That now is a reality. As I told you, I think, uh, before, this would be very important for all of us, for all the developing world, to have more representation, to have Africa's voice. And Africa's voice will represent also all of us.
1: Um, we are rebuilding from the effects of COVID-19. Obviously, lots of economies were left shattered. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at how the recovery has been, there's a lot of stories that have been made. And these have opened up, some of them just as recent as February this year. But again, that same month when they opened up, and I'm speaking as somebody from Rwanda, this is when the country literally opened up everything. Uh, that same month, then you have, you know, boom, Russia attacked Ukraine. Of course, in the beginning, everyone thinks it's far away from the continent. Maybe the impact won't be as that huge. Just take me through. We've seen um, the scarcity of uh, simple commodities. I won't say simple, but scarcity of, for example, fuel. Uh, lines of people who are trying to, you know, fuel their cars, trucks, you know, all delayed and trade, literally destabilized by a war that is far away from the continent. But if you look at the prices of food, they're also going really up. Just take me through this. What are we seeing with this war that actually is still ongoing? We don't even know uh, what the future looks like. What should we brace
0: for as Africans? It's very sad because we expected 2022 to be the recovery year. <laughs> and and we have we had hope, yes, to get out of the lockdowns of the COVID-19 and that it has really, you know, hit us so so badly. And actually 2022 will be a bad year, you know, and it will be a bad year because of the war in Ukraine. And why is the war in Ukraine affecting us so badly? You know, maybe that's the first thing that, that we, we have to, to explain. Well, you know, we have a saying in Spanish that is like when it rains after a torment, <laughs> you know, after a storm, let's put it that way. When it rains after a storm, we had a storm with the COVID-19 and now on top of the storm is raining. <laughs> and, you know, if Russia and Ukraine, represent a large percentage of the trade of wheat, maize, sunflower oil. They are not very big in overall trade. They represent only, I think 3% of the overall trade of the world, but in wheat 30%, in maize 20%, in sunflower oil 50%. In a lot of the African economies really imported their food and their grain from Ukraine and Russia. So now that they are at war and they cannot take their products out, they cannot export their grains, you know, to the rest of the world. So suddenly those economies, especially Africa, North Africa, the Middle East, that brought their food from Ukraine, and Russia, suddenly they have to look where to buy it. What are the other sources? And the other sources for import are very far away. So what is happening? On the one hand, prices are going up very steeply, very. You know, in some countries, wheat now has doubled the price that it had before the war. In the world at large, 30% more. The oil, because Russia is very important in in gas and oil exports. In oil, oil is doubled the price since the war. So suddenly, we consumers that we go to the market find wheat and maize and barley and oil so high, prices are so high, that suddenly our income doesn't, it gets really hurt. Yes. And many, you know, many families are really having to take the decision today of, uh, you know, eating or putting gasoline on the car to be able to get to work. Hardship is coming to our families, yes? It's not only that our income is being depleted, but it's also that our life is being hit because everything is difficult. If you have to queue, like you are saying, you have to queue for hours. That takes away hours from your kids, hours from your work. Women in the informal sex stores, what do they do? You know, they have to go out. But at the same time, everything is being taken away because of a war that we have nothing to do with. Yes. So vulnerable people, poor people are really being hit very hard with this war in Ukraine and that's why the UN you know put together this global crisis response group because we are very aware of the effect that this can have in you know households families you know around I mean, what's the world
1: very uh, probably out there now is how we mitigate some of these shocks that we've experienced in the past 3 years and I'm talking about covid-19 Nobody was expecting that. Uh, the whole idea of having to reorganize our economies was such a shock. Then, you know, uh, right before that, we have, for example, the cycling, the um, and We had oh, the disaster that was happening with the floods in Malawi. Talk about Zimbabwe. Millions of floods, uh, crops, all of them destroyed. Boom. Economies have now to countries now have to rethink of how to rebuild. We can't be rebuilding. There has to be a way to maybe mitigate and be able to say that, okay, this could happen and we don't know. And now we're looking at Russia and Ukraine, something that we expected the impacts to be this severe, especially for a continent like Africa. Um, If you were speaking to African governments right now about preparing for such shocks, and, and I'm talking about a continent that is so much betting on the head and trying to open up to trade with the rest of the world, but also within themselves. What would you tell them in terms of preparing for such shocks, especially when it comes to trade and uh, having the economies at least ready to be able to hold uh, things like these what would you tell them
0: you know preparing is the most difficult thing in life yes because we live in a world where everything is immediate <laughs> and to think about the long term yes is it really a matter of a, a lot of will you know to prepare you know for for what can come, because usually the emergency is more important than the priorities. <laughs> and uh, from a political point of view, you know, I, I've been in politics and I, have, I had to take decisions when I was in politics in my country. And it's, it's really difficult to get out of more urgent things to really think about the long term. But it's necessary. I believe we are more prepared now than we were before. Let me tell you. Because, you know, the, in the pandemic, we did a lot of things you know, also to really respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. And one of the main things we learn is that we need to put in place the social protection measures. You know, you cannot ask from families to cope alone. You know, you need society to come and really cope together. Yeah. And you can do that only if you have social protection measures. If suddenly... There is a shock that comes from outside, like we are living today, you know, so you protect what you have uh, built during your lifetime because you don't want to lose everything in one year. You have worked 20 years to save, to have your house, then, you know, a disaster comes, uh, uh, be, you know, lots or be something else and you lose everything. And it's very unjust. How can we really cope with that? with the collective savings that will protect you with the time comes. So we need to build our universal social protection systems. The same with health, you know. This is a long-standing demand from society, you know, that everybody should have access to health because how can you live through your life, through your children, if you don't have that? So I would say, you know, there are basic things that we have learned that we have to do together, that are social protection and education and health for everybody.
1: So how does Altair really work with governments to really address such things, or to even um, accelerate
0: trade? Well, I think that we are very strong on policy frameworks. We don't have the answer for everybody everywhere, (laughs) you know. We don't claim to, to do that. But we adapt to the conditions of the country. So we are not consultants. We go into a country, and we stay mm-hmm. until it's necessary mm-hmm. to really find the solutions at the policy level, at uh, the strategical level, precisely for what you asked me before, <laughs> yes, <laughs> to plan ahead, to plan on the long term. And we do that to attract quality investment, I would say. We do that to help on trade and, you know, have a better trade policy and a better you know, insertion into the global economy. We do that with the digitalization that is so important today. You know, the digital economy, e-commerce are so important for the future of our countries. We do that with logistics because we need infrastructure. We need ports that, you know, are able to help our products get to other destinations. We do that with the science and technology. So those are basic elements of, of a well-run economy. So what we do is that we try to get into the country to understand the needs, to understand the gaps, and to put something together that makes sense and that breaches the short and the long term.
1: And obviously you cannot have trade without policy. The policies shape everything. This is where leaders you know, come up with all these things that we follow, and uh, that brings me to one part of this conversation, I, can, I can't need to go without touching on it. That's the AFCFTA, Africa's biggest, largest, out women so far, the largest, and everybody else is excited about it. What we've seen in the past couple of years, obviously, has been COVID and all the shocks that have happened in terms of, you know, um, moving forward and and making the rules and getting countries to open up and trade with each other. I mean, we had COVID, it happened, we couldn't move forward. And now we have Russia and UK and Ukraine that actually are also a hindrance. But in moments like this, somebody would say, oh, this is a chance where actually you open up as a continent. This is a chance for you to look back within and start trading with each other. One would look at it as an opportunity for Africa to actually trade with each other. And, you know, try to do it at a time where, you know, there is no solution? Is this how you would see it as well? What do you think of that analogy? Because I know there are conversations I've been engaging on or even stories I've covered where people have said to me, When well, COVID was a realization of why we need the year to start within Africa before we go sell it out as a block. Let's open up our economies. We can't trade with Russia and Ukraine now. It's a chance for us to trade with each other. Would that really sound like proper economics? Yes, I
0: really think that the African Continental Free Trade Agreement is a great opportunity for Africa. But I have to be sincere. I was I, 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 <laughs> you know, yes. for that, but... No, no, I believe in regionalization. I believe that this, this is a great opportunity for Africa. And we have studied that. And we have said that it will bring a lot of growth and can be sustainable growth and inclusive growth for Africa. But I don't believe in regionalization to close down. I believe in regionalization to open up. Yes, I believe in regionalization to be stronger to get into the global economy, not to close the door to the global economy. Because many of our countries really will strive, will, you know, have much better opportunities if we are part of the world, not if we retreat from the world. So that is my only but. My only but is it takes perseverance. It takes a, a lot of work to converge, to agree on that convergence for, for the free trade uh, zone. But my but <laughs> is don't close down. Do that to be in a better position to open up.
1: I mean, it seems so far away, which brings me to something really short, obviously. Uh, do you see us really having that piece of the global uh, trade with the AFCFTA, yes or no? I think that it, it, it depends on the
0: design, yes? You don't have to close ever. You have to integrate. To have the value chains.
1: Too- so, <laughs> clear, you know, so we'll get back to another day. But you see us having a piece of the global share with this ASFTA? Uh, yes.
0: Yes, I do. If you get away, if you get away from the dependency of commodities, you have to diversify.
1: And obviously, this is what I was looking for. i to just reiterate for our listeners. If we get away from commodity dependence, then we actually have a share of that. And who knows? Maybe we are a leading bloke. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very interesting to hear these um, tips that you're sharing with us. But obviously, it's a conversation that has been going on for a very long time on how we can move to a dependent continent and be able to sustain ourselves in every other way. And obviously, this uh, brings us to the end of this podcast. We've learned so much, uh, Mister Rebecca Grespin. I mean, you've uh, given us some tips. A tanker way is you need to be able to sustain yourself, get away from dependency and uh, be able to sustain your economies. We have the minerals, we have the resources, we have literally everything that we need to be able to be dependent. Maybe this is another conversation we'll have with you on how to do that. Some bits and bits of um, policy and things that we should take into account. Are those that we would like to learn from you in the next podcast video? And I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed this as much as they have and learned as much as they have. I thank you so much for having the time to be with us here today. And to everyone listening to us, that was SG Secretary General of uh, UNCTAD, the UN Trade and Development Agency in uh, Geneva. But also, they're working so closely with different governments and stakeholders around trade and how to accelerate this globally. This is the Weekly Beast. My name is Maggie Umotesi, and as always, thanks a lot for listening. Just check out our social media pages or website www. africa. Or check out Massam Media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have TikTok as well, which is interesting. Lots of videos there to just give a perspective on uh, into business stories and you know investment across Africa. Thanks a lot, and here's to peace and profits. Have a lovely week ahead.
0: The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on
1: Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.